welcome to the introduction episode of The Cigar Store Indian, a podcast that I've put together about a commentary of all things cigar-related. Now, I call it The Cigar Store Indian because I am a Native American, I am Hopi, uh, from Arizona, and I currently live in Georgia, but we'll get to more about me later. I've started this podcast to cover topics of all things cigar-related, including history, reviews of cigars, and personal experiences. The podcast, as well as the blog spot posts, will cover other associated topics, such as beer, wine, and music, but always keep their association and relevance with cigars. The show outline will be very probably routine every week the introduction we'll talk about what's coming up in the show a few topics will be covered we'll have a break Uh, maybe do a cigar review or two cover some news Uh, take some listener feedback from emails and answer questions provide a cigar tip of the week and um, who knows, this thing may uh, develop into a, a long-lasting uh, podcast and association with the listeners out there. Some future show topics include uh, Cigar 101, How Are Cigars Made? Selecting the Right Cigar, What is in a c- Size and Shade? Uh, a topic about uh, c- cutting, lighting, guide to accessories maybe... Uh, one one podcast to cover cigar ratings, purchasing cigars, cigar clubs, um, golfing in cigars, uh, the Cuban embargo issue. This thing could go uh, just about anywhere. But wanted to give you some heads up, and please, uh, once we get an email established, I'd love recommendations. Today we're going to be covering uh, a few topics. But to uh, start off with, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is. Uh, Chris Savatawa, the Cigar Store Indian, and I live in Macon, Georgia. We have two cigar uh, stores here in Macon, Georgia, one Old South Tobacco and the other Vineville Beverage and Cigar. I frequent both of them to purchase uh, cigars as well as accompanying beverages and have to admit that uh, I probably frequent too often, to my wife's chagrin, but it's it's the only vice I really have and thought that putting this podcast together with the association of some friends and and family would give you some insight into uh, cigars, uh, their history, some reviews, and uh, personal experience as well. So let's get off to the first topic, which this week is the history of the Cigar Store Indian. What is a Cigar Store Indian? Well, the Cigar Store Indian, also known as a Wooden Indian, was an old advertisement figure made to represent cigar shops much like the barber poles advertised barber shops or the three gold balls advertised a pawn shop or the large key of a locksmith. These figures were often three-dimensional wooden sculptures, several feet tall and up to life-size, and they still occasionally are used for their original advertising purpose although most of them now are used for decorative and collecting purposes. Now, the Indians and tobacco have long been associated because Indians actually introduced tobacco to the Europeans 
when Christopher Columbus first came over to the New World, his introduction uh, to tobacco uh, set off a revolutionary perspective on the use of tobacco, which we'll go into next week in our Cigar 101. But businesses depended on visual trade signs to stand out for written signposts because many people were unable to read. And so to attract potential customers, they had to utilize some sort of gimmick as it was. Now, early cigar store Indians could be purchased as either male or female, made of either wood or cast iron, and uh, the females could be seen with or without papooses or their babies. The male figures were often dressed in the adornments of bonnets or plains Indians, and there was a large boom uh, around the uh, 19th century of the cigar store Indians due to the decline of the transatlantic clippers uh, because of the introduction of steamboats. So with the decline of the sailing vessels, professional carvers were no longer able to actually make Uh, statues that would actually go on the fronts of these ships, and statues is not the right word, but um, they would actually use their trade to uh, bargain for wares to maybe cross uh, the ocean. So when they were unable to do that, they turned to a different uh, opportunity, which was to uh, carve these figures. So driven by both the urbanization of America and in Europe and the growing popularity of cigars, this peak happened just as the market for ship figureheads uh, uh, waned. So since many of the European carvers had actually never seen the native cigars store Indians uh, of the Americas, the European variety uh, never really looked like uh, Indians at all. They much more associated with black slaves with feathery headdresses as exotic figures. Uh, These were very inaccurate carvings, uh, most commonly referred to in the trade as black boys or Virginians. Um, And it wasn't until several hundred years later that the development of a a new technique um, developed on the East Coast of of depicting these Indian figureheads took off in, in, in Europe. And eventually the European cigar store figure began to look more and more authentic, yet highly stylized native visages didn't really come in until the early 18th century in uh, the United States and became thoroughly Indian, as it were. Now, there's a lot of controversy about what the depiction of the cigar store Indian means to Native Americans. Now, personally, as a Native American, it it doesn't bother me about their representation because stereotypes are um, seen Uh, affecting every race and every uh, creed out there. Uh, It's the intent behind them in their current perspective uh, that really brings to heart what the uh, individual is trying to get across who is representing or presenting this. And there have been many articles written about it and even some uh, extravagant books. But uh, my personal perspective is that the uh, intent was originally advertisement and and in no intent to be a mockery, even though some of the figures uh, were uh, portrayed in not the best light for the Indians, uh, some even savage to a degree unnecessarily. But uh, it was beneficial for the, the cigar store owners. So Now, approximately at the turn of the century, the Cigar Store Indian era actually came to an end, it seems like. Uh, There's even uh, 
uh, a period uh, known as the Cigar Store Indian Holocaust, um, in which the urban swarm and uh, in, in urbanization and the growth of the Americas um, showed uh, an expanse and uh, in the cities. And because of urban sidewalk obstruction laws, countless cigar store Indians disappeared from sidewalks. Uh, shopkeepers had to move them inside, and they they lost their original purpose. They were no longer a drawing of people into the stores utilizing this uh, depiction or this this figure. After the First World War, production uh, almost seemed to stop completely as a result of some of these laws in 1910. And then with the drives for metal in the early times of World War I and World War II, many of the metal cigar store Indians disappeared. And again, during the Depression of the 1920s and 30s, the cigar store Indians that were wood, many were burned or, or broken for firewood. Currently, the cigar store Indians are becoming more less and less common and are often relegated to museums and antique shops. Uh, and we hardly ever see very many original ones. If they are original, they can sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. To all but the serious collector or museum curator, the cigar store Indian is often considered the native equivalent to the black lawn jockey or the stereotype that I mentioned earlier, and thus the demeaning portrayal of Native Americans. But again, it, it to me, uh, the representation is not at all offensive. However, both of these types of figures are still made for sale uh, today, so it kind of shows you that while some people see them as offensive, they still serve their place in collection and advertisement, and people still go out and, and try to collect these. So the cigar store Indians can still be found in several cigars, either inside or cigar store shops, I mean to say, either outside or inside. And in fact, the cigar store that I frequent, Old South Tobacco here in Macon, Georgia, does have two cigar store Indians. One probably about a foot and a half or two feet tall, the other about three or four feet tall, uh, sits in a corner next to a, uh, a lounger, uh, or sometimes they may sit outside. We're going to now head to a break and a quote by Mark Twain, and afterwards, the reviews for the week. Eating and sleeping are the only activities that should be allowed to interrupt a man's enjoyment of his cigar. Mark Twain. It's time to move to the cigar reviews for the week. This week we'll be reviewing two cigars, the Romeo and Julieta Reserve Maduro and the Onyx Reserve. I mentioned earlier that I do keep a cigar journal, and it contains suggestions to classifying cigars based on their characteristics. Different cigar manufacturers, magazines, and books may give suggestions on classifying cigars based on characteristics like their draw, flavor, construction, burn, maybe the appearance and taste, generating an overall quality of the cigar. I may delve into my own rating system in a later podcast, but uh, for now, we'll stick with those general characteristics. 
The uh, Reserve Maduro by Romeo and Julieta is a wonderful cigar. I enjoyed it last week on my porch with a small glass of Taylor Flatgate Port. I chose the number 4, a 5 inch by 44 ring gauge variety that provided a great smoke without taking up half your evening. It's a bold, flavorful cigar, not too overwhelming, and the draw was somewhat loose. The ash and burn were white and solid, which is what I look for in a good uh, cigar. Now, this cigar retails around $8. I think I paid $5.60 for it. Um, it's a dark, rich Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, characteristic of the Maduro, um, and it's a perfect complement to the world-famous Romeo and Julieta line. That's a tasty Nicaraguan binder and bold blend of both Nicaraguan, Peruvian, and Dominican long fillers finishes out the cigar, making it a real deep, full-bodied smoke with a lovely aroma that I characterize as subtle cocoa uh, in nature. Now, in early April of 2003, the Cigar Insider, as well as the Aficionado, rated this a 90 uh, out of 100, which puts it up there in one of the great cigars um, of that year. I picked it uh, based on appearance. Originally, it is a wonderful uh, cigar band, black uh, with silver, Romeo and Julieta, Maduro Reserve, kind of stood out to you. Now, I want to... Uh, compare this to one of my favorite Maduros that is out there, one that uh, took the market by surprise several years ago, debuting in late 2000, the Onyx Reserve. Now, the Onyx Reserve is a Maduro smoker's dream. As soon as it debuted in late 2000, it met with some of the highest reviews ever given to a new cigar, with a whopping 94 rating for the Mini Bellicoso in, I think, both the Cigar Digest and Cigar uh, Aficionado. Now, I gave this a personal rating of 8.5 out of 10 because of the fact that it is such a unique cigar. Now, the Onyx Reserve is a medium-bodied Maduro that has the Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro wrapper in it. It has additional aging, and it's very comparable to some of the great Monte Cristos and the Romeo Giulietta that I spoke about earlier. Uh, it's exceptionally made and competitively priced. The reason I like this cigar in general is because uh, I'm a golfer, and it is a great golfing cigar. holds up well uh, in the wind. Uh, the ash uh, and burn is very, very consistent. The construction is uh, very firm, strong. It's a Connecticut wrapper, as I mentioned, and uh, Nicaraguan and Peruvian uh, tobaccos uh, make that up. The draw, very silky, uh, unique band as well, a white, black, and gold handmade onyx reserve band uh, kind of draws your attention to the cigar as well. Now, the Cigar Aficionado uh, magazine uh, has highlighted the cigar several times. Uh, each cigar um, makes this cigar kind of a home run to cigar enthusiasts. The only issue that I have with the Onyx Reserve is the fact that uh, the ones I traditionally get are the uh, 5x44 ring gauge. And it's really not uh, enough time to develop that awesome smoke that you uh, associate with. Once you get into the cigar, it seems like it's uh, 
time to be done with it. Now they do make a 16.13 by 52, uh, as well as a uh, 5 by 50, 5.5 by 60, and a 6 by 50. But uh, again, I do like the, the 5 um, by 44 that I spoke about. You can smoke a, a couple of them if you're out there on the golf course and uh, still get that uh, quality that you're looking for. This week, the Cigar Store Indian brings you cigar-related news from across the country and the world. Now, each episode, we're going to try, light a try to highlight a couple stories uh, relevant to the issues of cigar smokers uh, and uh, maybe smoking in general. Who knows? Um, that may be humorous or uh, touch on some controversial issue or just uh, maybe some basic uh, good news. But uh, the story that we wanted to highlight this week, uh, uh, one was that cigars, a martini, and a unique jazz bar are coming to the Pirates Clubhouse in Pittsburgh for all you baseball lovers out there. It's called the Monte Cristo Club. Now, the PNC Park is trying to bring together this new aura of a wonderful environment with the history and the entertainment that you get at a baseball game. And uh, the Pirates have uh, introduced the new development uh, that incorporates uh, the environment of kind of a jazz cigar uh, martini club with the uh, standard club level seats uh, called the Monte Cristo Club. As I mentioned, it's going to be available on Friday and Saturday nights. And in addition to the premium cigars and drinks that this club will offer, uh, the area of seating has mahogany paneling, leather furniture, live jazz and blues performances after every Friday and Saturday night game. Now, this uh, is not the first time this has been done. In fact, Altidus USA that has licensed the uh, Monte Cristo Club as a, a brand has done this um, before. Uh, Tampa uh, Bay Devil Rays have a cigar bar called the Questra Ray Cigar Bar at the Tropicana Field. It opened in 1998. And the Monte Cristo Club at TD Waterhouse Center, where the Orlando Magic play for the NBA, is also a, a great little thing. Now, they have uh, additional ventilation systems in there that pull the cigar smoke out of the area so it doesn't bother any other patrons and remains close to seating, so it gives the spectators a, a great opportunity. But you can get these seats for about $70 a, a ticket. You can actually get season uh, tickets for about $4,800. They had to do an immense renovation of a uh, area that had been utilized before in the club, but it uh, should be a great uh, uh, opportunity for the uh, people in uh, Pittsburgh. Well, that's it for the cigar reviews for the week. This week we had the opportunity to review two distinctly different yet similar cigars, and we hope to do that every week, between maybe two or three, depending on personal smoking habits. Uh, I might even delve back into the cigar journal and kind of reminisce with you guys about some of the things that I have had the opportunity to enjoy. Each week, we will uh, try to have a podcast episode every week. Uh, it kind of depends on what's going on, maybe at least every two weeks. Um, but we hope to possibly give away some of these cigars that we reviewed as prizes, maybe in response to some quizzes or... Uh, has a drawing uh, randomly in some of the feedback that we hope to get in the future. 
we don't yet have a dedicated email uh, address or uh, website. Just purchase that from CoDaddy.com. A little shout out for them. If you're looking for a cheap way to set up a, an internet site, that seems like the way to go these days. Uh, but that should be up and running soon. And by episode two, you'll be able to uh, get uh, access to, uh, or better, access to us here at the podcast. You can always check us out at the cigar store Indian dot blogspot dot com. That's the cigar store Indian dot blogspot dot com. Another interesting story we wanted to highlight was uh, a story entitled So Do They Want Donations or Not? Or as I like to say, uh, no good deed goes unpunished or undeserved or or something like that, in which craft employees of a local uh, Syracuse, uh, uh, New York plant uh, donated out of their own uh, funds $23,000 to the American Cancer Society, in which uh, they were trying to uh, show some solidarity behind uh, an initiative uh, to pr- promote uh, research into cancer. And the local uh, agency turned them down. Their justification for that was because the parent company of Kraft apparently is Altria, a giant tobacco uh, company that also owns Philip Morris. And they said they don't accept donations from tobacco companies, which last time I checked, Kraft isn't. But uh, it's uh, not for us to say. They quoted that uh, our donors and volunteers know that we're dedicated to fighting cancer and they expect us to do uh, be good stewards of our own funds. And uh, precluded them from uh, taking money from well-intentioned employees. I think that was just a kind of humorous um, a- episode, uh, considering that uh, the American Cancer Society could probably d- uh, appreciate uh, $23,000 or could you know, definitely put it to good use. Um, another humorous thing was uh, the United Kingdom last year, there was uh, some talks about banning candied cigarettes and cigars in an attempt to prevent the youth from picking up this habit or, or influence them. But at the same time, uh, they were entertaining some uh, new marketing ideas for a new cola called Kids Beer, in which the cola was shaped like a beer bottle. Uh, this cola is actually bottled uh, in Japan to look like real beer. Uh, and it's actually a, a product there. And to be imported into the United Kingdom. I don't know what the development is that uh, currently, but there we go. Two humorous stories, uh, smoking uh, and cigar-related. Just thought you might uh, enjoy those this week. The Cigar Tip of the Week... We're going to talk about typical cigar sizes. Now, in a future episode, we're going to have a probably a whole de- episode dedicated to cigar sizing, cigar rating, and uh, general uh, cigar information, kind of in the Cigar 101 vein that we mentioned earlier. Uh, just for the tip of the week, typical cigar sizes actually come in various shapes and sizes. There's no typical, but they're categorized by their length and ring gauge, or the diameter. Although each manufacturer's product may differ, I'm going to mention some of the common names and sizes. You have the Pantanella 5x38, Perfecto 5x44, Petite Corona 4.5x5, 
4 by 40 by 42, the Robusto, 5 or 6 by 50, the Corona, 5.5 by 42, the Bellicoso, 5.5 by 52, Torpedo, 6 by 50, the Pyramid, 6 by 52, this is, this is a long list, Lonsdale, 6.5 by 42, the Churchill, 7 by 47 to 52, and the Double Corona, 7.5 by 49. Each week we will have a cigar tip of the week. The complimenting beverage for the week is the Taylor Flatgate Port that I spoke about during my first cigar review. Now the vintage, the first estate, which is one of my favorites and fairly inexpensive, is a soft and glorious mouthful of the ports that have been resounding throughout this country over the past couple decades. Now for novice port drinkers, you can't go better than to start here, and this is one of the most rich and fruity and elegance of all youthful ports, and I mean that as under five or ten years old. Um, What is a port, you might ask? Well, like champagne, meaning a sparkling wine that comes from the Champagne region of France, port Uh, officially has to come from the demarcated region of Douro, Portugal, but uh, it does come from other parts of the world. Port is a fortified wine that has a unique alcohol content between 19 and 22 percent by volume usually, and it uh, is aged in wooden barrels and usually has a fruity aroma uh, that provides a real smoothness and a bouquet as a uh, drink that complements maybe uh, before dinner or after dinner, and it's uh, increasingly becoming popular. Um, I would recommend that you try this. You can pick this Taylor Flatgate uh, up at any uh, liquor store or beverage uh, store. Uh, Many uh, grocery stores even have them. So that is our complimenting beverage recommendation for the week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Cigar Store Indian Podcast. It's been wonderful uh, to put this first show together, and we hope to produce many, many more. Yet, we do not have an email for feedback, but you can always uh, take a look at the website we do have set up currently, thecigarstoreindian.blogspot.com. That's thecigarstoreindian.blogspot.com. Next week, we'll be covering Cigars 101. How are cigars made? A little history of cigars. Uh, We'll be reviewing some CAO uh, cigars, particularly the CAO Brasilia and the CAO Italia. Uh, It was wonderful to go to a best of the best um, uh, cigar uh, meet and greet at the Old South Tobacco here in Macon, Georgia. Last week we had a great representative from CAO uh, come there with prizes, giveaways, and it was just a wonderful opportunity to hang out with some friends, socialize, and I'll be reviewing those cigars in the next week or so. Uh, again, thank you for joining us. I look forward to having each of you back for next week's episode of the Cigar Store Indian Podcast. And remember... A good cigar is like enjoying a good wine. You can smell it, you can taste it, you can look at it, you can feel it, you can even hear it. It satisfies all the senses. This week's music was brought to you by the Podsafe Music Network. You can visit their site at music.podshow.com. That's music.podshow.com. Artists include the Gabriel Bola Quartet, 
The Woodshedders, and Chub Creek. <laughs> 